0: Jesus, we love you. How we adore you. Seems like the wrong time to talk about anger. Because right now, I don't feel an ounce of it in this place, and that is a good thing. But you know, that wasn't true when I was preparing this message. I was preparing this message the Thursday after Easter. And I was home and still kind of sick, and Holy Week had been hard, Pastor Bob was sick. I was sick. I was feeling lonely because my little nurse caregiver wasn't there to take care of me. And I texted Pastor Bob and I said, you know, Pastor Bob, I love and hate these kind of sermons. You know, the ones where when you're preparing them, God takes this big spotlight and shines it right in the deepest, darkest places in your heart. And he's doing that to me today and I don't appreciate it a bit. But I got to thinking about what I was angry about, and I was angry about what I just said. You know, I was home, I was lonely, I was sick, I was pitiful. And then I tried to practice some of what I'm going to talk about today to really analyze what I was angry about, and what I realized I had no business being angry. Because, you know, I was way better equipped to be a widow than Bruce was to be a widower, because I have you. And so we have to look at our anger And we have to look at guilt like Pastor Bob talked about. And we have to look at jealousy and rage. And we have to be honest with ourselves. And as we present this sermon series to you, it is not supposed to be pop psychology self-help. The lessons that we're trying to convey and teach is that our responses to the emotions that bring out the worst in us should be governed by what we read in this book. It's not self-help. We have to cooperate with it, but it's God help, Bible help, Jesus help, Holy Spirit help me. And as we listen to this series, we shouldn't be sitting in our pews thinking, well, George needs to hear this message, (laughs) or Susie needs to hear this message, or my son or daughter needs to hear this message, or my spouse needs to hear this message. We each need to hear this message, and every message of this series, because there are moments in our lives when these, these emotions we're talking about have to be tackled head-on, and we miss the point completely if we think about these messages in the context of what other people ought to do. This morning, we're going to talk about anger, which seems to fit right in line with what Pastor Bob talked about last week. Very often, the things that make us feel guilty, the things we have to confess, and the things that we need to seek reconciliation for are things that come from us losing our tempers. I know that's true of me. I know that's true of me, and I'm pretty sure it's true of some of you as well. So we're going to turn to the letter to Ephesians this morning. And I'm going to read to you uh, verses 26 through 32. And this is what it says. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And if you remember, two words out of that passage, I hope the two you will remember are, get rid as in get rid of your anger, your bitterness, and malice. Because get rid are action verbs, and they require you and they require me to do something. But they also teach us that we can get rid of our anger if we ask for God's help. Now, there are many different kinds of anger. Some of them were named in the Scripture I just read. There's rage and bitterness and malice. But there's also anger that is righteous, And righteous anger is good, if we think about it. Jesus demonstrated righteous anger when he threw the money changers out of the temple, when he gave his discourse to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, where he said, woe to you, and enumerated their list of sins. But when Jesus did those things, his words that were angry also came out as instructive. He was teaching someone who was clearly wrong to change their ways. The problem for us is we don't do that as well as Jesus did. Our righteous anger is often self-righteous anger. Our righteous anger sometimes comes from the fact that we don't get what we want, and we overuse our anger to say, I'm right and the other person's wrong. And really, we're being self righteous. So I encourage you, in that moment that you're pretty sure you're completely right to be angry and the other person's completely wrong, to think again and be honest with yourself. In, a, in our scripture, it said, In your anger, do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, which means even if your anger is righteous, you're not supposed to hang on to it forever. And I I know that um, one of the things I often hear pastors say at a wedding to a couple that's about to get married is, never go to bed mad. And I can tell you honestly, Bruce and I never went to bed mad. We sometimes went to bed late, but we never went to bed mad. And it's important to discuss things and put them behind you and let them go. And I am the worst person in the world about letting things go. I admit that to you. And some of you hang on pretty good, too, though. There's another kind of anger, and this is an insidious form of anger because it sneaks up on us. We don't even mean to become this way, but we do, and that's bitterness. And I, I was, as I was preparing for this, I, I read a sermon by a pastor. It wasn't United Methodist. It was a really good sermon. But there was one line in it that jumped out at me, and this is what he said. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Very often, a person that we feel bitter toward, they don't even know we're mad. And every day that we spend being angry or bitter, we're not hurting anyone. We're poisoning ourselves. Bitterness changes our demeanor. It changes our temperament. It isolates us from people because after a while, even our best friends don't want to be around us if we're constantly bitter and angry. And the problem with bitterness is we don't mean to get bitter. But it's a really short distance between being sick and getting bitter over our illness. It's a really short distance from being lonely Maybe we've moved to a place or to a new job and we miss our friends. It's a very short distance from loneliness to bitterness. And friends, there's a reason that anger is one of the stages of grief. And it is a very short distance from grief to bitterness. And we have to ask God's help to walk us through that part of grief because if we get stuck there, then we suffer our loss forever when really we can and should and must move on and not forget, but move on. We have to learn to guard our hearts from bitterness. We have to, because bitterness destroys us and our relationships. And then there's rage. Rage is a different form of anger. And rage, when it's really serious, it's the kind that causes someone to explode in a way that does physical harm to someone else. The you know, the kind of murder that's called in the heat of passion happens when people let their rage run away with them. But there's other smaller, less serious forms of rage that affect us every day. That's why we have that thing we call road rage, where you see people cutting each other off and dodging in front of you know, each other and driving poorly, and I, you know it can happen in a moment. I left the church yesterday after a memorial service, and there's a lot of traffic on West Bay going over toward the beach. And I finally got over the hump and made it to San Key and made a right turn, and God bless the couple from Georgia that was in front of me. <laughs> that drove 19 miles an hour, <laughs> all the way up the beach. And I knew I was preaching this sermon today, <laughs> and I had to behave. And so I just backed off. I turned on Christian rock on the radio. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm making a joke, but the truth is, we can react like that every single time we're getting mad. We can make a decision about how we will respond. So what did Jesus say on this subject of, of anger? Pastor Bob touched on a, uh, a part of our, our scripture from Matthew last week. He talked about when Jesus said to be reconciled, to leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. I'd like to read to you the part of the scripture that came just before that. This is what Jesus said. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder you are subject to judgment. That makes sense. Murder is not a good thing. I bet nobody here. I bet there's no one here who's ever murdered anybody. But then Jesus said, "But I say," and whenever Jesus says, "But I say," it means he's about to change the law that was given to Moses to expand upon it or explain it, and we better pay attention. So Jesus went on to say, "But I say, If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You know, Ephesians talked about unwholesome talk or slander. That's the kind of words Jesus was talking about. Jesus is telling us we can murder more than the body. We can murder uh, murder the spirit. We can hurt the soul of another person with our words, and we can do irreparable harm. You know, there's a story that I I found as I was preparing for today. It was about a father. A father who had a little boy, who's a good boy, but he was prone to temper tantrums sometimes. He'd lose his temper and get angry. And it was becoming a problem at school, too. So the father told the little boy, he said, listen, son, you've got to learn to control your temper. I'm going to give you a hammer and some nails. And every time you get angry, I want you to go out to the barn and I want you to pound a nail into the side of the barn. And the very first day, the little boy pounded 27 nails into the barn. But as days went by, and he caught himself being angry and had to go pound those nails, he learned to recognize his anger, and he learned to control his anger, and then the day came when he didn't have to pound one nail into the board. In the meantime, the side of the barn looked like that picture that's up on the screen behind me. And I pounded every one of those nails. And let me tell you, that's good for the soul when you're feeling chippy. So this little boy went to his daddy, said, Daddy, I didn't have to pound any nails today. And his father said, son, I'm proud of you because the lesson I want you to learn is that you can learn to control your temper. And the little boy learned that lesson. But how can we learn to control our temper? What should our response be to our own anger? What's the alternative? Well, the first thing is we need to be really honest with ourselves, which is hard to do when we're getting caught up in our own angry passions. We honestly have to assess the cause of our anger. What role did we play in the situation to escalate it to the point of an unhappy exchange? What role are we playing in our own bitterness? What is it that we won't let go of? Very often, we become angry because we can't control every situation and we can't get our way and we want our way. And it was so cute this morning when little Connor was baptized. You know, he was kind of squalling when Pastor Bob was holding on to him, and Pastor Bob gave him back. And he turned around and looked at Pastor Bob with one of those little one-year-old or 18-month-old faces. It was so funny. Felix cracked up. I was cracking up. And then he got happy again. But, you know, that's okay from a baby who's getting baptized. But it's not so becoming or cute when it comes from an adult we have to understand we can't control every situation and what other people do. We can only control our part of the situation. Sometimes we need to blame other people for our own stuff. It's easier to cast blame by getting angry and blaming someone else than to realize that we are the source of our own misfortune or anger. Sometimes we use anger to cover up other emotions. I promise you, it's easier to be angry than to be grief stricken but you gotta move through it sometimes we need to build ourselves up by tearing somebody else down because maybe we're not feeling too confident about ourselves and the only way we can make ourselves look good is by tearing someone else down and all those things are things we should avoid The book of Proverbs is filled with little one line verses that tell us what some of the alternatives to our anger are, and I'd like to share some of them with you. The first one fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. We have to exercise wisdom. As we mature in our faith, as we mature in our lives, somewhere in there a little bit of wisdom sinks in, I hope. Sometimes I wonder about myself, but most of you are pretty wise a lot of the time. And we have to exercise that wisdom by our choice. Another verse. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer. It's a choice. Gentleness. It's really hard to be angry at someone who's being gentle with you. It is. Another one, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Patience is driving up the road at 19 miles an hour and just turning on nice music. I'm very proud of myself, can you tell? (laughs) Because there was a time when I would have been right on the tail of that car. I would not have made any nasty gestures. I might have thrown my hands in the air. But you know, it wasn't going to get me home any faster. And if that person was like me, it would just make them drive slower anyway. (laughs) Patience goes a long way toward dissipating our anger. And finally, and this is one we really need to hear as church people, because this just shouldn't happen within the body of Christ. For as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. There is one thing we should not find in the church, but we do, and that is a pot stirrer. Someone who seeks to divide, conquer, and stir up anger between one brother in Christ and another brother or sister in Christ. That's not okay. And when we see that, we need to name it, and we need to bring it to a stop. There are plenty of pot stirrers in the world, and they don't need to come from the church. Our passage from Ephesians said that kindness, compassion, forgiveness all help offset anger. Those are the characteristics and the virtues we want to demonstrate. Why? Because they are holy virtues. James reminds us about controlling our anger in another way, with a, uh, another way to deal with anger that's very helpful. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen Slow to speak and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God desires righteousness. He says, You shall be holy because I am holy. Our righteousness comes from the Lord, but we can get unrighteous real fast when we don't let the Lord govern our hearts. Quick to listen, slow to speak. That's why we have the old saying, count to 10 before you say anything. Some of us would do better to count to 40 or 39 or 100 or 72. Sometimes 10's not enough. But sometimes just listening, letting another person vent, will go a long way toward avoiding a conflict. You know, last week, Pastor Bob reminded us that Jesus said, go and be reconciled. Notice he didn't say, wait until the other guy makes the first overture. Be reconciled. He did not say, Hold a grudge because it's all the other guy's fault. He did not say, Forget them and move on. He said, Go and be reconciled. And if that's what Jesus said, that needs to be good enough for me and it needs to be good enough for you. But it takes obedience and humility, especially if you have to confess and seek forgiveness. It takes spiritual maturity and love and it takes being. Like the Lord. You know, just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated the Lord's resurrection. We listened to the story, though, on Good Friday about how the crowd hollered, Crucify him in an angry rage. And they pounded the nails in his hands and feet, and he was crucified. And then the tomb was empty, and Jesus appeared to his disciples. And in the passages in Scripture, if you go and read them, when he appeared to his disciples, it was made clear that the wounds, the scars, were still, still visible on his hands. And the Scriptures teach us part of the reason for that might have been because there was, you know, doubting Thomas had said, I want to put my fingers in the wound on his side before I'll believe this. So they were there of evidence that it was really Jesus. But I think those scars were there for a more lasting purpose than just to serve what doubting Thomas needed. I think those scars stayed on Jesus' hand as a reminder to you and me that what we do in anger leaves scars. I'd like to go back to the story, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, about that little boy whose father had him go beat the nails into the side of the barn. You saw that picture of all the nails. What the, little boy, what the father went on to say to the little guy was, look, son, I'm proud of you for learning to control your temper. But now, each day that goes by that you don't lose your temper, go pull one of the nails out of the side of the barn. And eventually, the day came when there were no nails left in the board. And it looked like that. And the father took the little boy out He said take a walk with me And he showed him the barn He said son this is what I want you to remember You've learned to control your temper But every one of those nails Left a scar Left a hole in the wood Left a tear In its exterior The hole goes all the way through So the the hole was on the other side of that board too Son, you can be sorry, you can ask forgiveness, and you can learn to control your temper, but our words wound. And even when we seek forgiveness and we make peace with the person with whom we were angry, very often there's a little scar left. And so what I would remind us of today, just as that father taught that little boy, our words, our ire, are still like nails. They wound another's heart. They wound another's spirit. The objects of our ire might be a family member, a loved one, a spouse, a child, a parent, a co-worker, a stranger, an addict, an illegal alien, a convict, a Muslim, a slow driver on Sand Key, or a brother or sister in Christ. What we do to a neighbor, what we do to a stranger, what we do to a loved one, we do to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to go back and read those passages in the Gospels after the resurrection. The scars were still on his hands, and we wound him still. The good news is, Jesus can handle the wounding we give, He already has. So if you're here today and you're angry at someone, a brother or sister, maybe you're angry at someone who isn't even here, that's that's okay. If you brought that anger here today, I hope the music you heard, the prayers we prayed, and God's word that I have brought to you today, because believe me, he preached it to me for like 10 days before I preached it to you. If you came here with anger today, don't take it home with you. Leave it here. If you want to, the chancel rail will be open. You can come up, you can pray about it. If you fold your hands, Pastor Bob and I will let you be to pray your prayer to God on your own. But if you're angry and you want us to pray with you, just open your hands and we'll pray with you. But what I hope you understand today is that the letter said, get rid of. And Jesus said, seek reconciliation But the wounds on his hands are proof positive. You can leave whatever anger you feel, you can leave it at the foot of that cross today. And you can leave here free. And there's no freedom quite like being free of anger that's been eating you up.